Welcome to the Christian Media Marketing Podcast, where we talk all things social media marketing to help your Christian media, Christian missionary, or church outreach find the seekers in your context. We want to help you get the right message in front of the right person at the right time and even on the right device. Are you ready? Here's your host, John Rawls, owner of Kavanaugh Media. Hey there. Welcome to the Christian Media Marketing Show, the podcast, our show here, the video part on the YouTube platform. My name is John. Thanks for hanging out with me today. This is part three of a series that I've been doing on biblical partnership, the way that I approach it, the way we at Kavanaugh approach it. And maybe it's been different than things that you've heard. Maybe not. Maybe it's just a reinforcement of what you already believe and and practice. But for us, it's been very clarifying to work through why partnership, the biblical examples, and there's different types of that. But today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you about the challenges of partnership. And then I'm going to wrap it all up today with what I believe are some of the essential elements of partnership. So I hope it's a blessing to you. With everything that we do, that's our desire. We don't want to duplicate. We want to look to where there are gaps, and we want to lean into that. We want to enable field teams to be able to do what they went to the field to do, to tell people about Jesus, to evangelize and disciple. And regardless if it's T for T, four fields, or DMM, or whatever else, or we really don't care what it is, the, the methodology that you're using. We do care of the theology and the philosophy and the, the, the elements behind it that you are discipling those people that God brings to you. And so for us, we exist to serve you all. And one of the ways we do that is by providing this kind of training. We have the weekly marketing newsletter. You can go to our website at KavanaughMedia.com to sign up for that and to get that every week. These are articles and things that we have already looked through, mainly Sean, Joel helps with this and others, that we think would be relevant to what you are doing out there and things that it's just good to know sometimes. For example, one of the things that I heard today is just the reduction in audience size that's happening in Europe because of the option to opt out of ads if you pay a certain amount. We're really staying on top of that. We have several standard operating procedures and scenarios that we have played out, and we're testing right now to see what we can do, to see if there's other options, to see how we can make up for some of those differences sometimes. So whatever we're learning, we want to share that with you all the best that we can. And we think that that's what partnership is a part of, is being a blessing to others by giving to others not just thinking about what we can get, but what we can give. To us, that's that's a driver for us because ultimately it's about the kingdom. It's about the renewal of all things. It's about reaching the least and the last. And that's what we want more than anything else. As I'm recording this, I'm finally back home from three weeks of a lot of travel. It was good. It was great. Uh, There were some tremendous opportunities that are coming along with some uh, partners that we get to work with, some really big ones that are doing some neat things that I can't wait to hopefully share with you all here in the next few weeks. But it's Thanksgiving week, and so I'm out here back at our offices at the airport here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So every once in a while, you may hear some planes and things. 
but there's so much to be thankful for. My whole family's going to get together. I'm looking forward to it. I am so grateful for the opportunities that we have to serve our King, and it's just a, a good week to spend some time reflecting and being thankful. So I want you to know I'm thankful for you all as well. Thanks for listening today. Let's jump into just some of the training and see how it hopefully will be a blessing to you. So we start talking here about partnership and biblical partnership. There are some things that I think are going to be some real challenges when it comes to just who does what. What is the real reality of the work that we are trying to do? And part of that's just the idea of control and of dominance itself when we're talking about biblical partnership, really working with other teams or orgs, whatever that might look like for you in your context. And so these are issues that come about because sometimes there's just unequal resources, there's unequal proportions. Some groups, orgs, teams might have more than another. That's going to be an issue. It can be an issue at least, when we're talking about partnership and that control and who makes decisions. Because is the one with the most money the one that's best to lead? Many times I've seen that there are teams that maybe they don't have a lot of experience, but their org has a lot of money. Does that mean that you just get to be the, the lead automatically? Like these are questions that more than anything, I just hope you're thinking through. And as you talk through with other people, it these, I hope, will be, something that helps you think through them. And so is the one with the most money the best one to lead? Maybe, but maybe not. We also have to worry about then the creation of dependency. And because one group, one org, one team has all of the resources, that can create a dependency on them. And it can also affect things like control and who's in charge. And so that's all part of that. It even comes back to just ownership of the vision, of the work, of fundraising challenges. Let me give you an example of that. Who gets to claim credit when multiple people are working on something in regards to maybe reporting back to the donors or the donor organizations that are out there? Who's the ones that gets to claim credit for it? Who are the ones then who will fundraise off of it? Who are the ones who set the agenda to that? These are major things to me that need to be thought through because I'm seeing it and I have seen it where you will have people who fundraise off the work of other people of things that they have not done. They will say things from a stage about this whole work and will give the impression that they were doing it, but they weren't. They weren't involved with it. And we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but the, the, the challenge of this fundraising and, and who's going to be saying what and how can you raise funds and maybe not for yourself. Maybe it's for somebody else. It also then can create in some places and sometimes a rivalry of an idea of competition. And that's been one of those things that we have seen at Kavanaugh and one of the things I just don't want to be a part of. Twice now, we've been faced with situations where it looked like we were going to be competing. And I just went to the people that were funding it saying, I don't want to play that game. I don't want to. If I felt like that the other person wasn't up to the challenge, wasn't up to the work that needed to be done, then maybe I would have leaned in a little bit more and said, you know, I actually, I think we're probably the best one to do this. But if the other person is, is capable and is doing it and they're already doing it, 
they don't need us to come in and muddy it up or to take funds to do something that is in one sense almost competitive in what they're doing. And so you have to have those hard challenges and those conversations sometimes to work through it. For us, it was really talking to them and being willing to walk away even when funds were on the line so that we didn't create a competition. And thankfully, in the situations that I'm referring to, it became a tremendous partnership, an area of blessing, and an area of exponential growth because it wasn't a competition, because we looked for what each of us could do, and we added that together, and we weren't running ads against each other. We were actually working together, and it was an amazing thing. It is still an amazing thing. So this is also the challenge that comes into partnership when you have perceived strength overlap. Uh, it's rare to find people who talk about the fact that they're not strong in a certain thing. And so that's where that strength overlap needs to come into it. When you're working with other people, other teams, I think it's really important to see where are they strong, where are you strong, and sometimes it may even take another person speaking into that. So that because it's hard to sometimes see our own weaknesses, to sometimes see the, the areas where we're coming up short, or we get so used to this idea of fundraising and, and you know, trying to promote ourselves that we're really big about talking about a lot of stuff that honestly maybe we're not really that strong in. And so strength overlap to me is just a, another major challenge uh, when it comes to, to partnership itself. So all of these things continue to play out on just the, the practice of it, but there's also then doctrinal things that come into it. And so we tend to make leadership and preference issues a doctrinal one, but we cannot erase the differences that different groups and organizations and churches have. There are differences out there, uh, and that's, that is true. Sometimes we make leadership, and we try to put scripture behind it, but a lot of times it, it, that's not the area that is challenging us when it comes to doctrine. Sin itself is really the challenge, and that's what sin is. It's divisive. It is what gets in there and creates that wedge that really stops what we're doing. I'll share more about that here in just a minute. I've always liked this quote, though, that I heard. First of all, I heard it from a man named Victor Knowles, who works very much in the idea of unity among denominations and groups, and that is simply, you do not have to be my twin to be my brother, but and I've added this part, we do need to know that we are of the same family. And so there are groups that are out there where I, I just don't consider them to be a part of my doctrinal family. Uh, there are some cults and different types of things that are out there. And I'm like, yeah, you could say Jesus, but no thanks. I'm not going to be putting my hand to the plow with you all to that. So work through that. What are the things that are your non-negotiables, even with doctrine, and think through those in your challenge of partnership? There's also methods, and that's another key part that comes into this, and, and really just the question which you need to be asking. Who determines which method is biblical, which I've heard some people say, well, ours is the biblical one or whatever, but who determines that, and who's going to be the one that de determines which method you're going to use? It's really important as a team or as an organization or a collaboration or partnership to be thinking through the methods that you do. And when you get words like, oh, this is biblical or this is pure or whatever, that makes me pause because uh, I'm pretty sure that the, a lot of the things that are really in fashion right now are great. They're kingdom building, 
but they're no more biblical than one person sharing to another person and discipling them. And maybe it was a different method in one sense of what they're doing, but I, I just don't see some of those same things listed in Scripture. And ultimately, for us at least, that's the determinant of what God has shared and of what method. He's leaving, leaving a lot of this up to us to figure out methods that we want to use in a location, but the core concept and the message itself cannot change. So can a God the goal of bringing global glory to the Creator use multiple methods? And I think the answer to that is yes. And that's where I want to see partnership is where we can work together, even when we have different methodologies, maybe even when we're different denominations. What an awesome thing when we can practice that John 17 unity and find ways to work together. But one of the biggest ultimate challenges of partnership is pride. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. He says it was through pride that the devil became the devil, and pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. I think a lot of times we don't partner well because there is deep-seated pride that we need to repent of and to work through. And to say that we don't have that... Well, I'm not so sure that that's the truth. We probably all have to fight that. Probably all want to sit there and be going, well, I really wish somebody would say this, or we could do this, or I wish I was recognized for this, or whatever else. It's there. It is, it's crouching. You know, it's, it's sin. It's, it's wanting to pounce upon us all. And so we got to be aware of it, and we need to be addressing it. So does our ministry have to be better than everyone else's? Is this a zero-sum game and, and your org or your team or your ministry have to be number one? Does everybody have to try to be number one or is there a different thing? Can we be okay with not being number one? Maybe just asking the question, what is success itself? When we show that faithfulness is a condition of success, not the fruitfulness, when we understand it, that it's the Lord that causes the increase, but he gives each of us different gifts and abilities, and we want to be faithful to all of that. Maybe that becomes part of our definition of success. What role does power and decision-making play in this? And this is one where I would love to see that there's almost like the idea of term limits, that, not, that different people can have different opportunities to be able to lead out if, you know, if so desired and if equipped and skilled in those areas so that there's not this concentration of power always within one person, one group, one org, or just even the decision-making coming back to just one. Even within Kavanaugh, even within my company here, that's a big thing for me is I want situational leadership. I want anyone on our team to be able to take the lead and to lead out, and for the rest of us to follow well. In fact, that's a big part of my job now, is to actually let my team lead. Let them lead. And this is where I love men and women, young and old, all stepping into leadership, all working together, the full body of Christ. To me, that's really, really important. So pride, we've got to address it. We, we just need to admit it. It's there. We really always have to be fighting against that. So let me give you a few essential elements as we wrap up this series and this podcast. First thing that I would say is that we have to have trust 
and we need to have transparency. If finances are involved and there's money being spent and there's uh, deals being made and things being given away to certain people, whatever else, it goes against trust. It erodes trust. And trust is the most important thing that we can do to be able to unify ourselves and to work together. And so transparency, what's working, what's not working, right? We don't have to try to hype inside of our partnerships and our groups. Be honest with each other. What are we doing well? What are What's not going well? What have we tried that's failed? All of that. So trust and transparency to me are critical things in building a great partnership. Communication and listening are another. Making sure that we're asking questions, making sure we're listening and really hearing well what other people are saying. I would say another essential element to biblical partnership is to set clear, essential, and non-negotiable set of riverbanks, in essence. What are you? What is your partnership that you're going to be doing with that other person, entity, organization, whatever it might be? What's essential? What's non-negotiable? Talk about that. So for us, let us I'll give you an example. We do not want to run ads where there are no field teams or churches to do follow-up. And so we start with the field. Someone asked me at the conference I was just at, what's make, what makes Kavanaugh different from, and they named a different group. And my first response was, I like that other group. They're not our enemies. We're for them. We just start with the field and work backwards. And they start the other way. And so we're meeting, and, and it's it's a good thing. There's not one is right and one is wrong, but for us, it's become a non-negotiable. We want to make sure there are people who will follow up, because as I've taught now for several years on this, I do not want to have spiritual abortion, a babe born and then no one there to disciple them, to take care of them. And so that for us is an example of a non-negotiable. And so when you have those, then you need to make sure that you have very clear goals and objectives. What are we trying to do? What, what's a win? What's success? Make sure you know where the, the goal line is, what it is that you and your partnership are trying to do. Take the time to work through those goals and objectives and then provide accountability. Make sure that we're holding each other accountable to that. I was at this conference this last week, and one of my good friends, Kylan, was there, and we got to really spend a lot of time talking. One night, we're sitting at a table, and I just shared with him just this whole idea of not holding on too tight. And I said, I want you to hold me accountable to this. If the Lord ceases to need Kavanaugh, if our funding goes away, if we cease to exist, you hold me accountable that I will be as hopefully open-handed and still blessed in the Lord even when he takes it away. And so, yeah, that's kind of a, you know, radical end kind of accountability, but but I want that from all parts. I want to be accountable to the funds, to the work that we're doing, all of that. We want to build that trust, not just with our partners, but most importantly, we want the Lord to see us as faithful and trustworthy as well. Here's the key thing that I hope of this whole series that you will take away, and that is this. I would love in partnership that you're thinking about the other person, the other group, the other org more than yourself, that you're thinking about how to be a blessing to them and not what you can receive from that partnership. The, the business world, it, its concept of partnership of you have something, I have something, let's come together. That's fine. But biblical partnership in my mind is this, the people that I get to partner with, 
I'm trying, when I hear of something and I think, oh, this might be a blessing to that person, then I want to connect them. I want to talk to them. I want to see how I can be a part of bringing blessing to them, even if it is of no benefit to me, to Kavanaugh, to our team, for the people that we serve, it is my desire that we can be a blessing to them and that we can then be thinking about them and bring those elements of blessing into their lives. And so I think this is really important that you are just thinking about the other people in your partnership. How can you be a blessing to them? Don't think about what you'll get out of it. Just think about what you can give. All right. So hopefully that it gives you some ideas. Hopefully that's a good challenge for you. And I hope that there's some benefit as you think through this whole concept of biblical partnership. One, I hope that you have it. We do better together. So find ways to be a blessing, find ways to partner with others, to multiply where two plus two equals five. All right. Find these ways where your growth, your impact will be greater than the sum of all those parts. All right. Make sure that you're just trying to find ways to bring unity and blessing to the kingdom. All right, so that's my hope for you all. As always, if you know people that need to hear this podcast or watch this show, will you tell them about it for us? Let them know that it's out there. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube show here. I would really, really appreciate that. And as always, if there are things that you want to hear about, things that we can do for you, subjects, questions, whatever it might be, don't hesitate to reach out and we would love to try to address those and bring our thoughts and perspectives to them. So until next time, keep pressing forward, put your hands to the plow, may the Lord bless your efforts to make his son famous. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Christian Media Marketing Podcast. We hope you subscribe to it and that you'll share it with those who are also laboring for the Lord to find seekers in their contacts. May God bless you in all you do for him and for his kingdom.